a full house. Let's bow our heads, shall we, for prayer? Father in heaven, as loving parents warn their children to protect them and because they love them, I pray that as we approach the message today in Amos, that we would see you as that amazing, loving parent watching over us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just a few weeks ago, you may have heard the story. Houston, Texas neighborhoods went on high alert as a cat was said to be on the loose. Now, many of us have gotten upset in the past when our beloved house cat might escape outside unknowingly. But the problem, however, in this Texas neighborhood and surrounding neighborhoods was that this cat that escaped was no ordinary house cat. Did you hear the story? Instead, it was not a white slide. There we go. A Bengal tiger. Something happened to our first slide. Yes. Neighborhoods went on alert everywhere. The national news picked up the story. They ran with it also for the next couple of days. If a big cat like this goes out on the prowl, it's a big deal, isn't it? Do you want your children riding by on their bicycles when something like that is walking across the street? The cat's owner eventually realized that the Bengal tiger that's supposed to be in the house was not in the house. And he ran outside, caught the tiger, and brought him back inside. He proceeded to load him into his white Jeep Cherokee, sped off, resulting in a car chase with authorities. He escaped. The tiger's whereabouts today are unknown, but they did catch this man later and booked him on multiple charges. It is illegal to own a cat like this in your home in Houston, Texas. <laughs> Suffice it to say, it's dangerous no matter where you are to lose sight of a big cat like this. People of the world and ages past and even today have lost sight of something far greater than a Bengal tiger. The lion of the tribe of Judah has roared his warnings repeatedly, but these warnings repeatedly are ignored and largely go unnoticed. Today we're going to continue our sermon series called to justice by turning to Amos chapter 3 where we're going to spend some time in a passage verses 7 to 8. Amos chapter 3 verses 7 to 8. The Bible says, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants the prophets. The lion has roared who will hear? Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. 
who can but prophesy? As Pastor Brian spoke about last week, Amos was a meek and mild servant of the Lord. If you looked at his credentials on paper, this is what you would assume. He was qualified to speak, not because of his status and position in society, because he didn't have it. But he was qualified and empowered because God called him and he responded. And God powerfully used him to speak profound truths that have now stood the test of time and will continue to stand the test of time. He has a message of warning for the people of Judah and Israel that still applies even today, if not applies even more so today than even back then. The message is a message of judgment delivered by the mouth of one who is greater than a roaring lion. Will the world pay attention? Will all the neighborhoods of earth go on high alert as they did in Houston, Texas just a few weeks ago when that tiger got loose? There are lots of similarities between the Israel of the time of Amos and ourselves, we ourselves today. This was an unprecedented time in the time of Amos for the nation of Israel, for prosperity and for peace. It was estimated that Amos gave this message in the 700s B.C., possibly even just a short time even before the exile of the northern kingdom of Israel. It was a time of peace and prosperity because Assyria, which had pressured the nations around them so much in the previous century when were unable to continue to keep up their dominance. And so Judah and Israel were blessed with very, fairly stable governments during this time in the mid-700s. They also experienced prosperity and peace unknown since the time of Solomon. And so Israel was feeling good about itself, and they mistakenly thought that this prosperity and peace was coming because of the blessings of God. But they were soon to find out they were entering into the curse of God because of their egregious offenses against him and his covenant that they had made with him. Their wealth was largely at the expense of the poor, that the rich and the powerful were systematically oppressing, and we'll get into that. Amos stepped forward into this national climate and delivered a message that judgment is coming. There's a message we love, isn't it? Judgment. Don't you love that message? Isn't that fun to talk about? Judgment isn't a very popular message today, is it? I mean, I believe this is the case because we've reacted to some of the harsh treatment of God's word from decades ago where God's judgment was so often the theme that the message of grace was almost lost, right? Sometimes I wonder if the pendulum hasn't swung now to such a degree that we have been preaching the beautiful message of God's grace to the point where we can almost 
allow the message of God's judgment against the injustice of sin to be completely swallowed up too. I always think it's important to understand the fact that we are all sinners. Amen? It doesn't matter what era of the world you live in, does it? It doesn't matter what nation you live in, when and where. It doesn't matter what race you belong to, what social class you are in, etc., etc. We are all sinners, and we deserve God's judgment. All of us. Psalm 53.1, there are a multitude of verses we could bring out here, but Psalm 53.1 says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt and have committed abominable injustice. There is no one who does good. Again, multitudes of verses that talk about how we have all fallen short of the glory of God and sinned. Does this mean we're all doomed? Absolutely not. You would not be here today if it wasn't for the amazing, great news of the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And we are freely partakers of that. And though we can enjoy the grace and acceptance of God freely today, we should still remember the fact that we are all sinners because I think if we do, it keeps us from being inconsiderate of others and too proud of ourselves. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. The chief, he said. I love Paul's attitude. I think if that's the attitude that we keep, then we can approach this message in a healthier way. This kind of attitude helps us to be wiser in drawing hearts to God. This kind of attitude also, see if you agree, helps us to better portray the character of God. We can share his warnings while personally testifying of his amazing grace. Amen? God's warnings in Amos, I believe, are reminding us to stay humble and never become arrogant, especially in regards to God's will and directives toward the treatment of other people. And I believe it's a message that is particularly relevant to us today in our own country. We today Like Israel of all, we have so much, don't we? We are in a relative time of peace and prosperity, believe it or not, (laughs) yes. Yet we are tempted, aren't we, to get too high of an opinion of ourselves occasionally? You know, however, through God's prophetic warnings that the end of the world is soon at hand. It's very close, so we shouldn't get too much of a false sense of comfort and security. I mean, in just a decade or two, Israel would be no more. They would be destroyed. I, too, believe we don't have long to go before all the nations of this world come to end because Jesus Christ is coming soon. Can we look at the messages of warnings given in Amos and apply them to our lives and to our country today? How important is God's word to us today anyway? When's the last time you read the book of Amos? 
I'm talking to myself also. How often do, do we scour God's word because we are hungry for what he is trying to say? Are we listening to the lion today? The story is told of Franklin Roosevelt, the ex-president, who often endured long receiving lines at the White House. I mean, just long lines of people coming by past him to shake his hand and then move on. Hundreds at a time sometimes. He complained, the story goes, that no one really even paid attention to what he would say to them as they briskly went by. They had to keep the line moving pretty quickly. And he said, they really don't pay attention to what I say anyway. And so he got an idea. To each person that passed by and shook his hand, one day he murmured the phrase, I murdered my grandmother this morning. <laughs> Interesting, right? <laughs> he murmured the phrase to each person that came by and shook his hand, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And time after time, he was given a response back of, Marvelous! Keep up the good work! We're proud of you! God bless you, sir! Until at the end of the line, finally, it was the ambassador from Bolivia that finally recognized what he really was saying and leaned forward and said, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> I'm thankful that God is not like Franklin Roosevelt, nothing against the former president, but let me tell you why. Because even though I'm sure God gets frustrated when we aren't listening to all of his words, at least he is faithful to keep delivering the same word day in and day out, right? He never plays with us. He never changes it. It's the same and consistent word. He never grows weary in reaching out to save us. His word is truth. It will always be truth. It will always be the same, and it will never fail us, will it? Franklin Roosevelt didn't really murder his grandmother, by the way, in case you're wondering. I think. I, I don't, yeah. The guy in the middle looks like he's worried about it, though, doesn't he? Okay, moving on. Starting in Amos chapter 1 and continuing through chapter 2, we see a pattern of offenses that trigger God's judgment. And nations like Damascus and Gaza and Tyre and Edom and Ammon, Moab, all these neighbors of Israel are the first to be listed by the prophet among the recipients of God's warnings of impending judgment. And the first of these warnings is found in chapter 1, verse 3, and here's how it goes. I'm going to introduce how each of these judgments are introduced. Amos 1.3 says, This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Damascus, even four, I will not relent. And this exact same pattern is given for each of the warnings and judgments that come. Why this pattern of three, even four? Well, in the Hebrew mindset, it takes three to be a plurality. So God is basically saying that these are not just isolated one-time incidents, incidences that are calling for judgment from him. These are repeated offenses. And even God takes it up a notch. He's saying that it's not just a few, 
it's not just a plurality, it's more, even four. He's saying this is systematic and it is plenteous, these offenses. In other words, each nation has had their share of transgressions and then some. So now let's list, I'm just going to list it up on the screen, we'll read through them, these offenses that are found in chapters 1 and 2. Syria has treated the people of Gilead as if they were a pile of grain being crushed on the ground. Gaza and Tyre both took entire communities captive and sold them to Edom. Tyre broke treaties with others. Edom, the nation, murdered multitudes and held on to unbridled anger, says God. Ammon did unspeakable things to women who were pregnant, all for the gain of their borders. Moab disrespected the bones of Edom's king, and in doing so, they dishonored their entire nation. Now, interestingly enough, and have you noticed that all of these pagan nations are being accused of sins that are against who? There are other pagan nations, right? That tells me that how anybody treats anybody is closely watched by God and any injustice is not ignored in the ranks of heaven. People of weaker nations, even small, seemingly insignificant communities, even the least of the least in those communities are all under the watchful eye of God. He sees it all. How are we doing with the least around us even? Not talking about nations here, just our neighbors. Even the least of our neighbors. Hopefully we aren't committing the atrocities that are being listed in Amos 1 and 2, but just because we're not going to that extreme doesn't mean that we are infallible from injustice, right? Jesus said, love your neighbor, how? As yourself. And he reinstituted the Hebrew Shema in that in the Gospels. And when he was asked what the greatest commandments were, he says, and I say today, I want to say, if we aren't willing to look out for others today, our neighbors, as much as we are willing to look out for ourselves then we are committing injustice in the eyes of God still today. I'll repeat that. If we aren't willing to look out and care for others as much as we are willing to look out and care for ourselves, then we are committing just as much injustice in the eyes of God still today. Amos is delivering a message that so far tickled Israel's ears. They loved hearing about the judgment that was coming on their neighbors because they looked at them as deserving of that judgment, but that's when Amos turns the tables on them. And Amos suddenly talks about Israel and Judah and delivers judgment against God's own followers. Instead of his judgment solely focusing on the love of neighbors, these judgments start with their love of God. Amos says Judah rejected the law of the Lord and did not keep his decrees. They also followed false gods, Amos says. So God says that they have been disloyal in their relationship to him, yes. But then he goes on to say, but you're also guilty of all the sins against others too. 
Amos says Israel was willing to sell the innocent all for a pair of sandals. They denied justice to the oppressed. They stepped on the poor for their own gain. Even sexual immorality was found in their ranks. Sins against others. And again, before we ourselves get too comfortable hearing all these, because it's not talking about us, let's again remember God is calling everybody of all ages, whatever nation you are in, to justice today. He is calling us all, isn't he, to regard his law. We should regard other people. We cannot neglect his law because we think we aren't in need. We cannot neglect the poor and trying to get ahead in life. Israel and its individual citizens had a history of doing these very things and dare I say it, have we as a history of our nation also done these things? It's time to listen to the lion, isn't it? Realizing that the grace of God is there to cover our sins, but the judgment of God is real. And if we ignore the ability of his grace to really work in our lives today, then we are not on solid ground I ask you, are we willing today to let God really work in our lives and transform our lives? He will forgive you of every sin you have ever committed. But don't forget, he also wants to work his power in us to help us to alleviate these sins that so easily entangle us. Let's get a little application today. I've got two suggestions for some application. What are some of the avenues that we disallow God's grace to work in our lives as professed Christians today? I'll mention two. First off, I believe the fruits of the Spirit are the place to start. The number one thing that Christians should be known for are the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Where are these today? I guarantee you that if the residents of Syria and Tyre and Ammon and Moab and Judah and Israel had been willing for the fruits of the Spirit to work and be poured into their lives, then God wouldn't have had to list the judgments against them that he did through Amos. Do you agree? As a matter of fact, the fruits of the Spirit are the antithesis of injustice. Amen? The fruits of the Spirit are the antithesis of injustice. The more that they are poured out by God into our lives, then the more justly we will treat every single person, all of our neighbors, even the poor and the weak. The fruits of the Spirit keep us from becoming too proud of ourselves, don't they? In our own opinions. Let me ask you a serious question right now. How are you personally treating those who you think are ignorant in comparison to your awesome enlightenment today? Are you patient and kind and loving and good and long-suffering toward those who you believe aren't as smart as you on the current issues of the day? 
feel free to plug in any of the hot social topics right now going on. Fruits of the Spirit are being ignored by God's followers today, but secondly, I believe also one that is being oftentimes overlooked is the idea of forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said for, to, to pray and say, Forgive us our debts as we do what? Forgive our debtors. I believe problems in every nation would be remedied if its citizens would freely forgive one another as we have been forgiven so freely by our amazing Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Injustice abounds in our world today, and we know that injustice will abound in our world today until Jesus comes, but injustice does not have to abound in my life, does it, or yours. Now before we get overwhelmed with judgment, which is real from God. Remember, this amazing God of love tells us about the judgment before he does it. Amen? Amos 3, 7 again says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The lion is roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? He tells us first because he wants to save us first, doesn't he? First and foremost, God is all about our salvation, not our destruction. Do you regard God as powerful and important to heed as a lion today? The people of Houston, Texas took notice when a tiger walked through their neighborhood. God is so much greater, so much more powerful, so much more willing to use his greatness and power for our benefit rather than our destruction. This is why he first sends these messages of warnings to us through the prophets. Grace always comes before judgment with God. What about us today? What message will we share with the world through our lives and through our actions? Are we willing to help warn the world through the message of God's amazing grace? I pray that we listen to the lion to the degree that we can't help to prophesy like Amos says. Who can help but prophesy? I pray that we won't be able to help ourselves because we want to prophesy of God's saving and amazing grace every moment, every day, for forever and ever. Amen. In closing, I'd like to share a story about some lions and injustice that I ran across. Maybe you've heard of this story. It happened about 15 years ago. There was a gang of men in the remote part of southwestern Ethiopia that kidnapped a 12-year-old girl. They 
held her captive for over a week and repeatedly beat her. Why? Because they were trying to force her hand in marriage. This is fairly something that happens quite a bit in that region. I mean, talk about injustice, right? A 12-year-old girl. And how do you get someone's hand in marriage but kidnap and beatings? That's it's just unspeakable. But that's when the story takes a turn that was very unexpected. You see, just when this 12-year-old girl thought, my life is over, basically, suddenly three lions showed up. Three lions walked into the scene. And these lions didn't just pass by, they chased off her assailants, ran them out. At this point, they then encircled the girl and sat with her the entire day until the authorities arrived. As a matter of fact, shockingly, Sergeant Wandamu Wadaju reported, the lions stood guard for half a day until they found her. It's as if they showed up and the lions presented her to us like a gift. If the lions had not come, then it would have been much worse, end quote. <laughs> the lions had not come, the end would have been much worse. Folks, we have three lions on guard all day, every day for us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And He is trying to encircle all of us to protect us, to let us know what His Word says rings true still today. May His Word always ring true in our hearts and through our lives because we decided today and every day to listen to the lion. Amen. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you love us so much. You're willing to talk about the injustices of this world so that we can identify them ourselves, but also to see how you want to pour your grace into our lives to help us. And Lord, to use us to call others out of the injustice of this world so that we can reign with you in your just kingdom forevermore. Lord, let your words be heeded like a roaring lion always in our lives. May we crave your word. May we want to keep it ever before us and bring others to that word as well so they can see how much you love them and what a wonderful, glorious future you have in store for us all. Thank you, Lord. Bless us. Help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.